Today's episode is brought to you by Mazars. Sound Cartel. Imposter syndrome is incredibly common and, unsurprisingly, seems to mirror the rise in depression and anxiety. For chronic sufferers, it can have significant impacts on personal and business life. But there are ways of getting through it. Do you or someone you know suffer from imposter syndrome? From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. Do you compare yourself unfavourably to others? Do you feel unworthy of the respect from your staff? Do you worry that what you do isn't good enough? These could be signs of imposter syndrome, and it could be holding you and your business back. Behaviour change expert Suzanne Mercier says one of the key deficiencies of leadership is imposter syndrome. Overcoming self-doubt will not only help yourself, but also help lift your team and improve your business. First, a definition. What is imposter syndrome precisely? And how prevalent is it among business owners? Suzanne's talking to Chris Ashmore. It's the feeling of not being good enough, the persistent feeling of not being good enough. People who experience it say that they might feel like fakes or frauds occasionally. They tend to focus on their weaknesses and their failures rather than their strengths and successes. And if they've been successful, they tend to think that it's either been good luck or somebody else's mistakenly positive view of them. These days, it's probably more broadly used. It's probably used more as an indication of a limiting set of beliefs, like I believe I'm not good enough, and that is a pretty all-encompassing category. It's prevalent. Roughly 70% of people experience it, and about 33% of it experience it at a pretty chronic level, meaning that it's like a pair of glasses that they wear all the time and they see the world through. And I think that one of the big things is that, first of all, if I have been successful, and I have to be successful to experience it in some measure, but if I have been successful, then I think I'm going to have a hard time pulling the rabbit out of the hat again. But probably the biggest thing about the imposter syndrome is that it has been proven to have a significant impact on my career aspirations and my performance. So when you are the business, for example, when you're a small business owner, that's even more important because you're the business. If you don't feel inspired to create the business, if you don't feel excited about what you're doing in the business and therefore inspiring your team, whatever they might look like, they might be literal or virtual. If you aren't inspiring them, then you're not going to get the engagement from them and therefore the level of performance that you need to deliver great customer service and to have a sustainable business. So the imposter syndrome is pretty serious and it sort of impacts things like confidence, as well as being inspired to help others see the business the way that you do and to contribute the way that they can. How does the imposter syndrome affect business owners and their business on a day-to-day practical kind of level? Well, the thing about the imposter syndrome is that it's actually latent until it's activated. So in other words, I can go along feeling quite confident and quite calm and operating from my strengths because most people set up a business because they're good at something, really good at something. So they might be good accountants or good gardeners or good hairdressers or whatever. And so they've got this area of expertise, which is fantastic. So they're confident with that. But what happens is that They may not be confident in running a business and there's a lot of uncertainty in running a business, as I'm sure you know. You can't control so much of what goes on. You can only control your output, if you like. And so when you have the imposter syndrome, it impacts 
and it's activated, it can impact your ability to lead people. It can impact your ability to get out and market and sell the business, which of course impacts bottom line. So the thing about the latency and it's sitting there underneath the surface is that as I said, we're feeling confident most of the time, but then something happens to trigger that feeling of not being good enough. And it might be a competitor did something that got lots of accolades. It might be that you've got a rejection from a new client, or it could be so many different things. It's different for all of us. Then we go into this space of feeling like we're not good enough. And when we do that, it's a, such an uncomfortable space that we move out of that as fast as we can. So unconsciously, we react very quickly with behaviors that help us reduce the feeling of uncertainty and increase the feeling of control that we have. And it's the behaviors that tend to be the problem because they'll either cause us to push through with bravado and still hope that we can make it through and people won't figure out that we aren't good enough, or it causes us probably with a more negative impact to pull back. And that makes it very difficult for us to lead effectively and for us to sell, which are the two key things, I think, for small business, certainly in my experience. These days, is it less of a stigma for people to accept that they're not perfect and admit to the imposter syndrome versus, say, 10, 20 or 30 years ago? Yes, absolutely. Actually, you reminded me in my early days that I used to stand up on the stage and um, I would get a response that was the verbal equivalent of throwing tomatoes at me. It was just horrifying. People were horrified with the fact that I was talking about something so personal in a business space. So we've come a long way. And when Brene Brown released her TED Talk, or when her TED Talk was released in 2010, The Power of Vulnerability, what she did was she actually normalized that feeling of vulnerability and shame and the imperfection that all of us experience. And so people now talk about it. And now I did a quick Google search because when I first started, we maybe got maybe 100,000 responses in a minute across the internet. Now it's like 8 million. So there's a lot more people talking about it. In the early days, it was just the academics and the people who sort of had specialized in this area. But now it's everybody. Everybody has an imposter story. And that's great because what it's doing is normalizing it. But what it's also doing is taking away some of the pain and the desire to change because it doesn't go away just by talking about it. It just means that we're talking about it. And in some ways, that might even be worse because what we're doing is embedding it as our story. Uh, So, yes, it certainly is a lot more comfortable to talk about it. Everybody has a story, particularly the tech industry, where I think it's almost like a a badge of honour to feel that I'm an imposter because in a funny way, I mentioned earlier that one of the requirements to experience the imposter syndrome is to have had an unexpected success, if you like. And so if I say I've got the imposter syndrome, then that implies I'm successful. So it's almost like this flip on it as well, which is fascinating. Mm. So I'm watching this thinking, that's great. Now, when they're ready to do the work, that'll be terrific. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for anyone who does have imposter syndrome or think that they do, Any advice? What can be done about it? Look, there are some underlying patterns that sit beneath the imposter syndrome. First of all, perfection. And that is probably the biggest driver. It's enormous. If I think that the only standard of worthiness is perfection, then I'm never going to get there. And I and people listening may be very accomplished at what you do and may have some great successes. But instead of looking at what I've been successful at, what I tend to do if I'm feeling like an imposter is that I look at the gap between where I am and what is perfection. Now, I can't even describe perfection. It's an idealistic notion. I wouldn't have a clue. I just know that I'm not there. That's probably the biggest one. And if we can let go of perfection and the things that hold it in place, such as looking at mistakes and thinking they're failure rather than learning, 
if I can look at why do I feel I need to be perfect and unpack that and, and allow myself to be less than, to be accepting of where I am now and who I am, not to say that I don't need to grow because I think it's really important to keep an eye on our growth and to continually learn and grow. But those two things, if I can let go of the need to be perfect and let go or reframe the way I see mistakes at the moment, those two things would be quite good. Another one is comparison. We tend to compare ourselves and the way that we feel about ourselves and our businesses and everything else that's being impacted by ourselves with what we see of other people. And I call it the 3 a.m. view of myself, but the sort of 9 a.m. view of everybody else because they're turning up shiny and doing their best. But I'm comparing myself to the way that I see myself when in my darkest hour, if you like. And it's not useful. It's really not useful because I don't know what their journey is. I don't know what they bring. I don't know what they've put into their business. I don't know, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. So it's really not useful to compare myself to anybody else except to learn what they're doing that's working. And the other thing is that part of the imposter syndrome is giving away the power to others to tell me that I'm good enough. So I'm looking for external validation that I am good enough and I can come across as being needy like needing something from somebody else, like I'm not good enough until somebody else tells me that I am. And that's giving away all my power. If I can actually see what I do and start to reclaim my strengths and successes and recognize the value that they bring, then what I can do is to do an internal check before I need anybody else's feedback at all. And that's really useful. So a bit of a mixed bag there, but essentially it's a journey and it's not fixed by five tips or three ways to do things, but it's good to know that there are things that you can do that you can start to move forward with. That was author and behavior change expert, Suzanne Mercier. This episode of Business Essentials Daily is produced by the team at Sound Cartel. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicole Goodman. We'll bring you more B Daily tomorrow. Follow at BE Daily Podcast across social media and head to bedaily.com.au for more from the Business Essentials Daily Podcast. Sound Cartel. This episode was brought to you by Mazars. To find out more, visit mazars.com.au. That's M-A-Z-A-R-S dot com dot A-U.